Hi, and welcome back to another episode of The Breakdown with Bethany. Today is a really special episode because I got to interview one of my heroes. Joelle Gargiulo is not only an Emmy award-winning producer and reporter, but she's also probably the nicest gal you'll ever meet. She and I dished on kids, on work, on everything, and it really was kind of a life-changing moment for me because as I mentioned before, she is the inspiration and the reason why I wanted to be on camera. I hope you enjoyed the interview. It was really a thrill and Joelle is just so much fun. So take a look. I feel like you are the best interviewer out there. And I'm not the only one that says it. Like I've heard Patrice Pulitzer say it like, people, you have such a skill and I want to know, and I think people in my field, in our field, they, they want to know what are you doing <laughs> that makes you so good? Is it prep? Is it your personality? Like, what is it? Oh, that, that is the greatest compliment that anybody could ever give me. Like, I'm not kidding. That, that truly is. So thank, I will say thank you. Um, and I say that because I work, I do work really hard at it, but I, I also think like when, when you're, and I'm not saying you're starting out, I'm saying when somebody is starting out, right? Like, you, you're nervous as one should be because you care. Like, I, you know, I think everyone's always like, I want to get to a point where I'm not nervous, but I think nerves are good because it means that you still actually care about what you're doing. But I do remember when I was starting out and like, I just wanted to be a good, I wanted to be a good interviewer. And I think somewhere along the way, it all just clicked. I, I like, there's no secret. Like, I wish that there was a secret, but um, if I would have to dig into my process, I would say, I just, I care. Like, I really care. I think that there was a time in the beginning of my career. And I think like for a lot of people in the beginning of their career, when you're interviewing someone, you're thinking more about yourself. You're like, oh, how can I get that sound bite? Or how can I get this? And how can I get that? And you're not really listening to anything that the other person is saying because you're worried about you. But once you flip that switch and it becomes about whoever's on the other side of the microphone or like, you know, or, 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 you know, whatever medium it is, I do think it all, it all falls into place. And I think not for nothing, like, can we curse on here? Knowing your shit, like yeah. knowing your shit, if you're going to sit down with someone, it is so disrespectful to ask somebody for their time and then to not know about them. And I've had people do that to me where I'm like, you know, and so, and so, and I've done that to people starting off, starting out. Like, like I have definitely, like everything is not a 10, right? Like there, there are some, um, some growing pains along the way, but do your research. It's as simple as that. And then the more research you do, the more prepared you feel, the more at ease you are. And then you could just have a conversation. The, the biggest thing is just to listen, listen to people, listen to them. That's I it. Yeah. I love that. And then when you said that you, how much you care, I think that really comes off, especially in the stories you've been doing on New York Live. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with New York Nico and what you guys have been doing for the city, I'm a native New Yorker and it is, it, it's just so, I, I love him and I love you. And then it became like this dream team. So can you guys tell us what you've done there for Grandma Dawn? Like all of these people, give us like a, it's like a, just a little roundup of like all the amazing stories you've been doing. You go, you go make me cry so that I miss Bethany. <laughs> I am wearing pants, by the way. Sorry. I'm wearing biker yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I'm wearing a tennis dress and I don't play tennis. I don't even own a tennis wrap. Is it the outdoor voices? 
I don't know. I'm like, I'm such a sucker. I get spammed on Instagram. The Halara one then. H yes. Yeah. <laughs> because Wait, I to see, like, what is like, you look good. You're perfect for Long Island. <laughs> But I'm like, but I don't, I don't play tennis, nor do I own a racket, nor do I plan on playing tennis, but I have, I have like nothing that fits me and it's stretchy. So I was like, all right, we're just, I have to get one now. I'm going to get it. Cause I, they've been spamming me too. So, but but there's another one that I got that I'm like, oh my God, this is like offensively short. So I'll, 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 I'll send you the the link. It is comfortable, but then if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to take the whole thing off. Cause, cause there are shorts that are attached. Right. So, sorry. Okay. So, um, so back to uh, small businesses, New York and the stories that I've been working on. So, okay. When it comes to New York, Nico, so I wound up doing a story on New York, Nico. Um, I was nine months pregnant with Vivi or maybe eight months pregnant with Vivi. So that was over three years ago. And he was just somebody that I followed on social media. And then he was thought more of as the unofficial talent scout of New York city. And I'm always looking for stories that that other people aren't doing or things that I, that I find interesting really. And I was like, this guy's just cool. The more I started learning about him and, and his, he's like the, he's like, like the quintessential New Yorker. Right. I feel like I could have grown up with him. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He, he's also like just a, he, he, he cares. He's yeah. someone who really, really cares too. Um, so we, we had this day and it was a great day of filming. Here I am like, you know, very, very pregnant, he, um, golfing in an alley with Tiger Hood. Like he's introducing me to all of these characters. So it was more about introducing me to the characters of New York City. And then during the pandemic, he really shifted. Um, and I noticed it. I was like, I really like what he's doing because he's using his platform for good. And I think when I first did the story on him, maybe he had a little bit over a hundred thousand followers. And now if I were to check, he's probably at like, oh my goodness, probably over 600,000. I would imagine. Hold on. Let's see. I started following him really heavily when he started to do the best New York accent contest. Yes. yes. Uh, But who cares about followers? What I care about is the fact that he is using them to do good. So he started, yeah, he did like the New York accent contest, which was, which, which was phenomenal so fun and then really just highlighting these small businesses because the thing is how many times you're in New York City how many times have you walked past a place and you see it close and you're like oh my god that was my favorite place celebrities do that too and it's like but we could do something about it and these places like you know I feel like people have like forgotten about the pandemic but you have to understand most of these small businesses Bethany they they still owe back rent like they owe back rent where but they weren't able to even be open. So they, they didn't make that money. Like, and a lot of them, they haven't gotten rent relief. Like it's, it, it, it's, um, it's definitely like an issue. And I, I don't know what the stats are of like how many businesses aren't going to come out of this, but anyway, I'm, I'm very bad at giving short answers, which is funny <laughs> considering, um, the business that I'm in. But anyway, so I had reached out to him again and I was like, what's up, Nick, do you want to do something again and highlight some of these businesses? He was like, yes. Absolutely. Um, so he took me around and it was fantastic. We, you know, we always have, it was just, it was great. It, it was a great day. It's always a great day with him. Then fast forward, I had also done a separate story on this place, uh, grandma's place. Grandma Dawn is the owner. So this woman, she's a retired New York city school teacher. She just has the most incredible backstory. Like she was essentially raised by the New York city public library. Cause her mom worked three jobs to support her and her sister. Her sister just dropped her off at the library and was like, here, I'll come pick you up later. And so books taught her about the world. Like 
the public library raised her, books raised her. So this woman, she just always had this love of books. So she wound up winning the first ever brownstone lottery in Harlem and she gets a brownstone. And now when we say like a brownstone in Harlem, now you're like, oh my God, but you have to understand back then, like this area, the, the block that she was, that she's now on, like was dangerous. So when she won, she, she put in the lottery at like 11 PM when it had closed at midnight and she won. And so then she, like, she gets in a cab and she goes there because she just wants to see her brownstone. And then all these cops come and they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Because it was that unsafe then, but she had a vision. She took out a loan. She made it so it could be livable. Like there was no roof. There was no this, there was no that. And then she wound up setting up a literacy center because she wanted every child to be able to read every child in Harlem, every parent to have the tools, every parent to be able to read. And, and again, back then people said terrible things to her. You know, she's an African-American woman and people said to her, why do you want to do this? Black people can't read. That's what people said to this woman. And she was like, yes, they can. And, and I'm going to prove you wrong. And so then when, once people knew that she was doing this, they like, they had all of these extra books and they sent them to her and she had like tens of thousands of books next door to her is a store. And it wound up becoming vacant. She was like, well, you know what? Let me see if I can rent that. So, cause she had all these books. She didn't have any room for the books. So she set up shop in the next door. Then new owners come in, they raise the rent. So she has to start selling toys. But what makes her shop so special is the fact that like, you know, listen, I can walk into a place with my kids and they can find a doll that looks like them. And, and, I, and I believe now, you know, no, mat- no matter what ethnicity you are, I, I believe that you can now, but this wasn't the case. So somebody, you know, could go in there and there, there's a doll that looks like anybody, right? There's a book for anybody. And if you don't have it in there, she's going to get it for you. You know, like she had somebody come in who was um, Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish, Black and Greek. And she was like, I will find you a book that has all of this. And like, and that's what this woman is. But the issue is she didn't turn a profit for 21 years because she wasn't doing this to be profitable. She was doing this. So, so people, so kids in the neighborhood had a safe space. Like they had like a say, and they could go there and they could say like, Oh my God, I really want that toy. And she would give them little chores to do. She would give them all these little chores to do. So then they could, they could all of a sudden like have a little balance and then they could use their balance for something at the toy. I found this woman, grandma, Dawn of grandma's place. The way that I find most of my stories is I pick a day that I have free and I just walk around the city. I get lost. I go into stores. I talk to people. I talk to people in the neighborhood and then I get my leads and I go check them out. See if, if, if there's a story there in the case of grandma dawn like there are a hundred stories there so she has the most unique book and toy shop in harlem and it's it's a shop that you really can't you can't understand how special it is unless unless you talk to somebody who's been going there and you know and then you're talking about like little kids who used to go there or maybe grandma dawn was their teacher and now they're grown and they have their own kids like it's just it's a it's a very it's a very special place where any kid of any ethnicity, you know, any religion, like they can find something in there that looks like them, that they relate to. So I did a story on grandma Dawn. When the story was done, she confided in me. She was like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to stay open. I said, what do you mean? She's like, I've been self-funding this business for 21 years and I owe all of the back rent from COVID, like $17,000. And I was like, Grandma Dawn, you can't close. Like, this is a place that means too much to too many people. 
like it, it means too much to many people. You can, you cannot, you cannot close. Um, and I just suggested, I said, why don't you do a GoFundMe? So, you know, somebody in her family started the GoFundMe and then here's how New York Nico comes into it. So then, you know, for me, like I have like an audience, but like I'm, I, I don't have that 680,000, you know, audience. Um, but I asked him, I was like, Nick, would you be able to just post this GoFundMe link? This is a small business. She owes all of this back rent. She's going to close and she can't. And then I sent him the link to the story that I did with New York Live. And he was like, oh my God. He said, yeah, I'll post about it, but can you meet me there? I like, I, I have to, cause he won't, he won't just, like, it's gotta be authentic, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I called Grandma Dawn. I'm like, Grandma Dawn, I'm bringing New York Nico. You know, just, you, you gotta get ready. When I tell you this woman like busted out a VHS tape and like she somehow got a, a portable VHS player, her resume from like 30 years ago. Like it was amazing, Bethany. And she just, she just talked to Nick and he listened. He took some videos of her. He took some pictures, but like he really got to know her. And that's when I was like, dude, I thought you were awesome before, but now like you're stuck with me forever because you are, you are the real deal. And he, he just really took the time to get to know her. And he was like, we're going to help her. And he posted about her and he linked the GoFundMe. Tw not even 24 hours later, we had fundraised 21. I, I don't want to say we, he had fundraised $21,000 through posting that link. So we FaceTimed her in the morning to tell her she almost fell off her chair. It was amazing. It almost fell off her chair. And the first thing this woman said was not, oh my gosh, my store could stay open. The first thing that she said was, there are 28,000 children living in homeless shelters in Harlem alone. I want to help those kids. That's the first thing this woman said. Oh my God. Fast forward, the GoFundMe goes up to $46,000. So now, and, and, and not even just that, but the press that she got from New York Nico posting about her. Now she was like, Joelle, I'm doing, I'm doing the sales that I did in Christmas. Joelle, I have an online business now. It was like, it, it was, it has never felt so good to know that like something that you had a small, tiny little part in, like help somebody. Thank you so much, Joelle. I really, I appreciate this so much.